Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If I bleed tonight, if I am sad tonight, I don't Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Power Slam podcast here on Patreon a day early or wherever you get your podcasts on Friday. My name is Kenny, joined as always by Finley Martin. Finn, how are you today? Yeah, Kenny, I'm doing all right. Yeah, yeah, not bad. How are you doing? You were on stage last night, I believe, with Scott oh. Galland, formerly Scotty Too Hotty. Yes, I was. And it, yeah, it was a very fun show. And you know, these, these intimate evening shows, I really enjoyed doing them because you know, there's guys who who've got lots of stories to tell, and they probably wouldn't be on a, a big stage. So, you know, if you can do these kind of intimate shows, it's it's good fun. Um, obviously, it's all been filmed, so some of it will be on YouTube over the coming months. But yeah, yeah, there was some really good stuff in there about Vince McMahon and uh, becoming too cool, and you know, thinking that before the too cool and Rikishi thing, the end of '99, he he sort of saw all three of them on the chopping block. And said that the that kind of saved them, and yeah, some really good stuff in there. So I think, and you know, obviously he's now a coach for AEW. Uh, he used to be a coach for NXT, so there's some stuff there to delve into. And yeah, he was he was just a very. I've never met a, a more low maintenance wrestler in <laughs> my life. You know, he was all set to travel to the venue on his own. That's how low maintenance he is. And I would say, what 
I'm going to have to get somebody to pick you up because <laughs> you, you have to come in the front door past people. So let me get someone to come pick you up. So he, was, he, he allowed that to happen, but it's, usually it's not, it's not that easy. It's not, it's not that smooth. Well, that's it. I mean, how demanding some of these people can be, Kenny. <laughs> You've told me stories that will never air, that will no. never be written about some of these people. Prima donnas. <laughs> some of them, not all of them, of course. Some of them, right? Some of them, yeah. And, I mean, the thing is, it's like, so, and, and you end up hearing these stories being corroborated. You, know, you end up hearing these stories being corroborated by other people. Um. Which, which is you know is is good to hear, but yeah, so it was a fun show. Um, we do have some stuff. We obviously Godfather coming up uh, in a week and a half, starting in Glasgow next Sunday on the tenth of December. So we've got those three shows: Glasgow, Manchester, London, to finish the year off. And then there are some kind of things we're looking at in twenty twenty four. Um, a mix of intimate evening stuff and bigger stuff, but yeah, it's it's all going good. So. But the big news of the day, obviously, Finn, is Mr. Phil Brooks, Mr. CM Punk, because as we left it after Survivor Series on what's going down, we were very curious to see what was going to happen. So Raw on Monday was commercial free for the first hour. And they, you know, they, it, was, it was going to be a big show. They were advertising, obviously, Randy Orton and CM Punk. So Orton opened the show. And I've got to say, Finn, Randy Orton was on fire in this opening promo. He was. He was so up for it, I thought. Yeah. He certainly was. And and you could see he was overwhelmed with emotion. And uh, it was funny, Wade Barrett referred to him as Happy Randy, which <laughs> is quite a contrast from how he used to be. Um, and you could tell that he was deeply moved by the whole thing. And, you know, that's fairly obvious why. You know, he thought it was over, didn't he? He thought it was over in 2022 and probably parts of 2023. He thought he was never going to wrestle again. He's back. You know, he's still over. I mean, Triple H, Paul Levesque alluded to this at the uh, Survivor Series press conference where you go through this, you know, anxiety as a performer of whether or not the people will still care and whether or not you can still do it or not. And I think I think it's unless you've been a wrestler I just, or you, you've been in the performance industry, I'm not quite sure if you really grasp how much of a barrier that is that you have to overcome or... You know, sometimes it's not a barrier at all. As Orton discovered at Survivor Series, he returned and he was super as over as he'd ever been. Probably probably more over than he'd ever been. Yeah. And this felt like an extension of that. And yeah, he had a really good uh, night um, on the mic. And then in the ring later, he was confronted by Rhea Ripley in the opening segment of Raw. Um, he was talking about how he had all these receipts lined up for the bloodline and, um, you know, he said he came back because he accepted Cody's offer, you know, and he was said he was about making moments. Then Rhea Ripley walked out wearing a black trench coat. She meant business in that trench coat, Kenny. Yes. And Ripley uh, welcomed Orton back, but was disingenuous, of course. And Ripley said that Orton had been upstaged at Survivor Series, um, then said that the Judgment Day had taken over in his absence and were dripping in gold. And Rhea said that they were going to put Orton out permanently. And Orton said, you know, daddy was back. Orton said that nobody told him what to do. Um, and then uh, J.D. McDonough and Dominic Mysterio attacked Orton from behind. Um, 
Otanaki would JD again and then challenge Dominic to a match later on the show and Dominic was hilarious at ringside. He was just petrified. <laughs> like, oh no, I'm going to have to wrestle Randy Orton later on. So yeah, it was a really hot opening segment. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, the, the whole, the, the best part of the Randy Orton segment was, and it was something that, again, we talk a lot about now about the nuances of the stories in WWE and leaving you with kind of nuggets of things that could come up in the future, was that Orton did say, you know, I have receipts for every member of the bloodline. Yes. And that obviously plays into, well, Jay so, you know, he does speak to Randy later, and Randy's like, as long as you're not in the bloodline, we're good, but I mean, He's the Viper. This has always been Orton's gimmick, where at any moment he could basically strike and, you know, take Jay out. So we've kind of got that on the back burner. We we figure we've got Reigns and Orton at Royal Rumble. So, yeah, yeah I mean, you couldn't really ask for a, a better return, a better reception for Randy Orton. That's it. He was all over the show, and either he was there or people were talking about him, whether it was Cody Rhodes or, as you said, Jay approached uh, Randy backstage and said how sorry he was about the way things had gone down in the, you know, back in the day. And Orton said, you know, I've spoken to Cody. I've been watching you since you come over to Raw. You know, he said, let's let bygones be bygones. Uh, but, you know, and Jay's like, well, we're good. Yeah, yeah, we're good. You know, if Cody trusts you, then I trust you. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not through with the other members of the bloodline. But, uh, you know, I'm through with you in terms of, you know, vengeance, as long as you're no longer associated with the bloodline. Jay said, I'm not. But, I mean, we don't know about that either. I mean, Jay could end up back with the bloodline next year. That could potentially happen. Um, And, uh, yeah, and then Orton then had the match with Dominic Mysterio. I mean, he didn't take too many bumps. You can see that he's just easing his way back into it, which is the way it should be. Yeah. Um, you know, why go out there and, you know, take unnecessary risks? I mean, every wrestler, you know, let's be honest, there's so many wrestlers take unnecessary risks in TV matches. And Orton's clearly playing it safe, um, steady, steady as he goes. <laughs> and um, you know, it was really over. I mean, he's worked out that if he just does his signature stuff and for at least for a while, and certainly in TV matches against someone like Dominic Mysterio. He shouldn't be going 15 minutes and taking 30 bumps, should he, Kenny? No, you know, no, take it no, easy. No. Go in there, entertain the audience, do what's required. You know, there's lots of people who can learn from that, Kenny, in wrestling. Lots yes. of people can learn from this match. Uh, yeah, he, he, I also loved the moment where Rhea Ripley was out with Orton earlier on. And, she, you know, she's obviously talking about being mummy. And then he said, Daddy's back. Daddy's back, yeah. Daddy Sorry. was back. Yeah, uh, yeah. So obviously we've got Orton's return. You know, like we've said, you know, couldn't really go better. And then the show was going to close with CM Punk. It had been advertised at night, and he came out and did a promo. And I think that people, obviously, with Punk the last few years, and really over his, you know, the last ten years minimum, expect sort of controversial promos from him, or you know, barbs to be thrown and all that. And we didn't get that. We got a kind of subdued kind of six seven minute promo he said that i'm home this is where i belong and feels like a family reunion backstage and said that it was hugs and you know things are really pleasant backstage and everyone's been welcoming of my return well nearly everyone Mm -hmm. uh, with a reference to seth rollins and we'll get to that in a moment yeah so overall, I mean, some people were kind of disappointed because I guess they were hoping for a bit more juice from him because that's kind of what you get usually with Punk. But other people are maybe thinking it is a deliberate thing 
to play into a story that might involve Seth Rollins. How did you perceive the problem? Oh, yeah, well, it's all about telling the story, isn't it? You don't go out there and give everything away week one. I mean, unless it's a one-night comeback, which, as far as we know, it's not good. Well, this was night two. Unless it's like a one-week comeback, we should say, and hopefully it won't be. Fingers crossed. Yeah, why why would you go out there and say everything? And, um, I mean, I think it's a lot of people just don't have much patience. This is not a new thing. You know, this is a, a this is just the way things are now, and this is the way it's been for a very long time. And they expect everything now. It's like no, you know, delayed gratification. They're telling a story here. I thought he said, I thought he said more than enough. You know, he said the best in the world is back. You know, and it was really funny. Um, just as before the show went off the air, he uh, he mouthed into the camera, "I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make money," <laughs> which uh, you know I thought was quite funny. Um, you know, but yeah, he's you know, he's saying, you know, I love you to the fans, this is where I belong. He mentioned that people had never stopped chanting his name. I mean, what was telling to me was obviously he got the new merch out already, you don't yeah. mess about, did he, Kenny? The nope. new teams are out, and lots of people were wearing them. And there were some young kids there, I guess probably eight or nine, who obviously weren't even alive, <laughs> you know, when he was last in WWE. And they were, you could tell they were really excited to see him. And you sort of forget, don't you? Because he's like just turned 45, hasn't he? Yes. And you think, well, you know, he's not, he's only going to appeal to older fans who remember him from 2011 or, you know, 2013. He's like, no, he's obviously got this appeal to a younger audience as well. But I thought it was very well done for what it was. Um, and I think it would have been a mistake for him to give any more away than he did. Um, but I mean, you can't please all the people all the time, Kenny. And and to, if you try, then you'll you know you just it's a few futi- it's futile to even try. I thought he set a lot of things up here. You know, yeah. he actually mentioned Seth Rollins by name, but Seth Rollins because he didn't need to because Seth Rollins had already done that earlier in the show. He'd acknowledged that you know there was this heat between him and Punk. So why would Punk then? you know, further that in his show closing promo. Leave that till next week or the week after or next month or the month after. Um, you know, you don't rush these things. This is the art of telling a story, isn't it, Kenny? Yeah, 100%. I do understand why people were just kind of whelmed by it and not overwhelmed that it was like an all-time great promo or, the, or whatever, because it, was, it wasn't it was blockbuster like he had no. in the past. But at the same time, I do think they're setting things up because I don't think you can take CM Punk seriously saying I'm home in that way. And to me, that was definitely set up to be part of the story with Seth Rollins. You know, Seth Rollins calling him a hypocrite, him saying he's home. Like that to me, it felt like we're, and this is not like when, you know, four years ago when we would, we would almost be on the podcast making up a story that we hope it's going to be under Vince and it very rarely was. It feels yeah. like this is a, con- a concerted effort from the Seth hissy fit after Survivor Series. Yeah. Seth mentioned Punk is the hypocrite. So then Punk, yeah. you know, this guy who's like been public enemy number one saying, I'm home. You know, it feels just like we're setting something up here. So I think, yeah, the long game is what we're getting here. And Oh, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, Rollins earlier, and we might as well go to that next, mm-hmm. he encouraged fans to chant CM Punk. He's like, go on, get it out of your system. <laughs> and, you know, Rollins called Punk a hypocrite and said that he was somebody that don't matter at all. Um, and then he said, you know, let's talk about something that does matter. You know, the world title that I built into the most important championship in the business. Then Drew McIntyre walked out. 
And Drew said that he wanted a rematch. Rollins said that Drew deserved a rematch, but not as much as others in WWE did. And then Rollins said that he was defending the belt next week against um, Jey Uso. And uh, that, you know, (laughs) seemed deliberately designed to antagonize Drew, which it did. Drew was livid. He saw the red mist descended and then the red blood descended down Drew's forehead. So he headbutted Rollins, but in the process, accidentally struck the world title belt that Rollins was holding and cut his own forehead open hard way. Um, so Drew beat down Rollins and then Jay made the save. So, you know, that was, I thought that was a really good angle there. So we've got Rollins talking about what's probably going to happen in January, his match with CM Punk. And then we had Rollins here set it up a future match with Drew McIntyre and a match with Jay. So we've got three things going on there in one segment. This didn't happen under Vince, or if it did, very, very rarely. Yeah. We had three matches. Rollins was setting up three ma- set up three matches or furthered the story for three matches in that one segment. Yeah. And I think, and I, I do, again, I do understand that, that you know, the, the bar was very high for what people were expecting from a punk promo. So I understand why people were maybe a bit disappointed. But I think once you put the context of the story they're trying to tell, it'll make sense. Because, you know, him and, him and Rollins, we talked about him and Reigns. There's a lot of big matches that they can have. So Yeah, I mean, it's like, what do you want? CM Punk versus Seth Rollins on Raw next week? <laughs> of course that's not going to happen. And that would be, you know, reckless and wasteful and squandering a massive match and huge sort of build to that massive match if they just gave it away on TV. Yeah. I mean, so, he, did, he, he did. There was the little Easter egg at the end where, I mean, and, you know, people can say he didn't mean this. I am convinced he did. Because when Raw was going off there, he did that little victory lap which is the one that the Young Bucks had done when he was released. <laughs> and I'm, I mean, of course... That was a deliberate thing, but at least that was a kind of, you know, I, I saw somebody say, you know, what's 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 more impactful than, you know, burying your enemies, not even mentioning them. Well, exactly. I mean, it was very subtle, and it's like, let's move on. You know, I mean, Jim, Connor, you can't, you can't, you're, it's not going to be, you can't, you're not going to be building to a match. So. No, exactly, and that's never going to happen now. And you know, it could have happened in AEW if. Anyway, we don't need to go over the reasons why it didn't happen in AEW, but it could have done. They had their chance and they blew it. Yeah. And he's in WWE now and he needs to concentrate on the people he's going to wrestle there. And I think what people wanted from this was some, you know, bitter, spiteful, snide, you know, burial of these guys that he used to, you know, not work with, but work in the same company with and whom he we know he had the real life he and with whom he never ended up having the match. So I think that's what people were wanting from this. You know, they were wanting some flame war. You know, they wanted <laughs> something so that they could just then say, well, Punk's gone off the rails already. This is going to fail. And a lot of people obviously want this to fail. A lot of people want Punk to have a meltdown and quit. And maybe that will happen. It might I hope it doesn't. It might. Well, that's, the, but that's, that's what the, a lot of people want from this. They they are wishing failure on CM Punk because of everything that's well. We don't need to go for everything <laughs> that's happened, but everything that's happened over the last eighteen months. But he's also he's also got to he's got to play ball with this. So like, the, yes, you know, 
if he was to go out there and do a sort of un, not unscripted, if he was just to go out and say what he wanted, then imagine he went out and said some stuff that Seth, within the context of the story, but he maybe said one thing too far, and then in night one they're annoyed at each other. You know, there's there's got to be trust, and by all accounts, there was a report by PW Torch and various other places that. Uh, Monday was a very good atmosphere backstage and that Punk was very nice and happy and I mean it's easy to be nice and happy on day two but still you know he was getting on with people people were getting on with him there was nobody upset about it so you know it's, it's, you, you've got to kind of treat it as a fresh a fresh slate oh yeah absolutely I mean it's all about courtesy and being cordial and working together and there are going to be problems. Of course, they're going to be. But as we've said many times previously, Kenny, the trick is diplomacy backstage, management to step in, you know, and to put the fire out before it turns into a blaze. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's supposed to work. And, um, you know, I'm hopeful that they'll all get on and um, they'll make the best of this. I think there will be some moments there, but in some ways, I think they'll be necessary because. Rollins and Punk to do this right are going to have to say some pretty tough things about each other. Oh yeah, it's you don't you don't it. want a sanitized experience with us. You want you no. want some kind of scathing cutting remarks at some point. Absolutely, because we want to believe it's real. Because yeah. you know, it's all about suspension of disbelief, you know. And that's like when we go to the flicks, we movies, yep. or whatever, or whatever our favorite series is. We want to believe that those characters, you know, really hate. Um, you know, their adversaries or whatever, and they really feel the way they feel. So we want that from Punk and we want that from Rollins. So I think it's going to have to get quite near the knuckle, but as long as they've all got an understanding and they're all working together towards a common goal, um, no problem. And, um, you know, let's let's see what happens anyway. It will be, uh, whichever, however it plays out, Kenny, it's going to be fascinating to observe. Yes. And then the other thing from Raw I wanted to mention was Cody Rhodes has declared himself as an entrant in the 2024 Royal Rumble. And he was then uh, interrupted by Nakamura on the big screen, who then attacked him from behind, uh, spat, the, spat the mist in his face. So he feels like Nakamura is going to be Cody's kind of December feud before we get to the Rumble. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's, it gives him something to do until the Royal Rumble. Yeah, it's it's been a bit of a strange strange year for Cody, hasn't it? I mean, in some ways, maybe they should have started the Brock Lesnar thing at SummerSlam. Yeah. And then finished it at Survivor Series. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, but there again, what would Cody then have done post-WrestleMania to 
you know, kind of soften or, you know, the, the impact of his loss to Reigns. So maybe he needed that Lesnar thing to distract us from what just had happened. So, you know, it's it's difficult to know, isn't it, what they should have done with him. <laughs> I mean, we know what's coming. And, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Nakamura versus Cody Rhodes. I mean, <laughs> there's not much doubt or, over who's going to win this one. Uh, but, I mean, hopefully the matches will be decent and um, or good even. And uh, this will keep uh, Cody ticking over until the Royal Rumble. Yeah, and there, you know, there's lots of stuff that's kind of it, once we get into the new year. There's a lot of people around. We talked about some what's going down about LA Knight <laughs> might be a bit of trouble with all these people back, but there's a lot of possibilities because you know, on the yeah. raw on the raw side with the World Heavyweight Title, you, you've got Seth, you've got Punk, you've got you know people that you could insert in like Sammy or Gunther or whoever. There's there's lots of ways they can go. So. And Drew, of course, who is again really good performance on Raw. I thought the the way that they played the segment where he finds out that Seth has given the title has accepted the title shot from Jey Uso instead of him was really good. It was really well done because you know Drew's screaming at him. You know I beat him two weeks ago. Yeah, you know I, sh- I sh- and it's the it's the thing that every great heel is justified in their initial actions which kind of turns them into heel. So, yeah, yeah. And then backstage afterwards, Sami Zayn confronted Drew and said that he had suffered disappointments also, uh, you know, which plays into, you know, the Zayn-Rollins match, where it kind of almost looked like Zayn was going to turn heel afterwards. And Zayn said that McIntyre was acting like a spoiled little brat. Um, and Drew said that, yeah, he was going to, you know, work his way back up the ranks and starting next week uh, in a match with Sami Zayn. And, and Zayn was like, Oh dear! You know what have I, what have I got myself into? I should have, I should have just like you know hid in a corner somewhere and avoided this guy. So, so yeah, we got Zayn Drew next week and uh, Rollins Jay. So that's two big matches for Raw. Indeed, indeed. Well, let's move on to some other bits of news before we go. So, Mercedes Monet is in the news because she posted a video on YouTube of her appearing to basically be healed and ready to go. So the big question seems to be where is she going to end up? Is she going to end up in AEW? She was obviously in the crowd at All In. She was shown in the, the pre-show. But, you know, some people are ha- hypothesizing that, you know, Bailey might be getting turned on by damage control and then that would leave three of the four horsewomen to go up against them next year. So that could be a spot for Sasha if she was to come back. Where do you see her landing in 2024? I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, the idea of her going to AEW would be a risk because there's very few big names. In fact, no big names for her to work with. Um, whereas there are many big names and many storylines, one of which you've just spelled out, uh, waiting for her in WWE. Um, I mean, the flip side to that is she could go into AEW and become the top woman there. So there's really no competition for the top spot. So maybe she wants to go AEW and try and build that women's division up and she can be the hub around which everyone else revolve, which she would be. So she'd be the biggest star there by a mile uh, in the female division. So um, I'm not sure what she's going to do. And I think in some ways, if I was her, I think I'd want to return to WWE. But I can see the appeal of AEW because, you know, she can be the woman. You know, yeah. it's hers for the taking, isn't it? And if you can build, if you can kind of build the division around you, you know, that's, you know, because we've there's there's been all these 
you know, stories over the years of, you know, AEW's women's division needs to be better and all this kind of stuff. And if she was the person who came in and kind of was able to help that get better, then that would be a big mantle for her to have in yeah, her career. Yeah. But, well, if she was there, there'll be other people who currently probably aren't interested in working for AEW would suddenly think, yes, you know, AEW is the destination for me because Sasha Banks is there and I can have really good matches with her. And she can, you know, she, Tony Khan, well, maybe, who knows with Tony Khan. Tony Khan might give the might give the women's division more minutes if she's the champ. I mean, who knows? Um, but I, yeah, I can see, you know, both destinations are appealing in different ways. So yeah. I think she's in a really strong position right now. Yeah, she 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 definitely is. And it's funny because last night, uh, Britt Baker had tweeted out, uh, either during or after the show, oh, must have been after the show, she tweeted out that, you know, MJF got 10 minutes of TV. Let me find the tweet, actually, so I, can, I don't want to butcher what she said here. She said, tonight's AEW Dynamite, MJF live promo time, 7 minutes. Christian Cage live promo time, 10 minutes. All of 2023 Dynamite, Britt Baker live promo time, 0 minutes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh dear I mean pick it up with Tony yeah I mean I mean and then and then the, the other weird thing was that so MJF had tweeted out about uh, last night MJF had tweeted what was it what he said let me find this um he'd said he'd said something like you know uh, I didn't sleep a wink in a shit ton of pain and can't get comfortable, but it's Wednesday. We've got a show to put on. I hear it oh, all. I should I... mention, Kenny, this is because of his shoulder, right? His labrum? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His torn labrum. So he's working through that. And he said, you know, I hear it all. I read it all. I see it all. I'm wide awake in more ways than one. Let's restore the feeling, was his tweet. And then in response to that, a fan had written, or quote tweeted, it said, you've almost single-handedly destroyed the feeling, lol. And that response to MJF was liked by Britt Baker, Sammy yeah. Guevara, And uh, who was the other one? Jungle Boy. So, (laughs) very strange. (laughs) He still works there somehow, even though he's he hasn't actually returned since Wembley, has he? No, no, he hasn't returned. But presumably, he's still on the payroll. Why? Why is he still on the payroll? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is you know, you I I feel like if you're if you're working an angle, fine, you know, do stuff like this. But I mean. No, if I if I was a multi, if I was a billionaire who owned a wrestling company and my wrestlers were liking fan tweets like that, I'd, I, there'd be words being had. Oh, I mean, but... you know, yeah, it's like, I mean, discipline. We know discipline's a problem there. I mean, it's not as bad now because you know Punk has gone, so things have calmed down. But I mean, really, I mean, Britt Baker. To write that publicly, venting her frustration—I don't blame her. But I mean, take it up with the boss, you know. Take it up with the boss, you know. And that's the only way that anything's going to change. Maybe he won't listen to you. He probably won't. But at least try and speak to him about it. I mean, I don't know, Kenny. It's like it's not right. But at the same time, I don't think Britt Baker's much of a promo. So, um, you know, it's hard for me to really root for it. Um, but, you know, but if, you, mean, if you've got a top women, you need to, they need to be put in the position. They need to, you know, you need to be given some time to get better. You're never going to get better if you're just sitting on the side. I mean, because Britt Baker was over. She was very over in, in AEW. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, she was. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We're a little DMD thing at the end. Very over. Um, so, I mean, yeah, she needs to, you know, Tony and her need to have a conversation. And because she's not injured, is she? No, no. And it's like, well, are you going to use me? Am I going to, you know, try and regain some of my, you know, stardom that has diminished recently? And, you know, there's definitely, um, you know, opportunities there for someone like Britt Baker to do more. But it's up to your, you know, your booker to give you those opportunities. So I guess she's just venting and who can blame her? You know, if I was working there, I'd be venting as well. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask you about was something that come out uh, this week, which was interesting. Fightful Selected said that apparently, you know, there was the AEW had put together a, a sort of uh, panel who were, who were to decide whether CM Punk was going to stay in AEW or not. Oh yeah, yeah, I did hear, I did, I did read about this, Kenny. Yeah, yeah. So one of the people who was on the panel, along with kind of legal people and stuff, was Brian Danielson. He and apparently he was said to have effectively headed up the committee. And one source described him as an appropriate moral compass who exemplifies objectivity. And uh, it's believed that he addressed the roster about Punk, described yeah. the decision to let him go as difficult cited a long friendship with Punk and the positives, but admitted the decision had to be made. And then kind of on social media ahead of Punk's return on Raw, which I guess seems like it's about this, Danielson tweeted out and said, my dad always told me the right thing is often the hardest thing to do. It won't always make the most money. It won't always be the most popular, but it's still the right thing. So, I mean, I guess the question is, I mean, he does seem like a very level-headed person, but should a member of talent be on a panel to decide the fate of another talent? Well, I mean, I thought after Punk was fired that this was Tony's decision. He came out, didn't he? And, you know, Mm -hmm. made this statement um, verbally. Yeah, that's it on TV. And then there was a written statement also. And I thought this was Tony Khan's decision. And it was this sort of moment where, wow, you know, Tony's taking a stand. You know, he's, he's made a decision. You know, whether you agree with that decision or not, you know, he has make it, made a decision here and he has taken action. So, you know, let's, you know, compliment him, praise him for that, for actually being a leader. You know, you can then spend half an hour talking about all the things you should have done previously to prevent the situation from happening that did happen at Wembley. But anyway, that's by the by at this point. That's, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, Tony, I always thought, I thought Tony was, was taking responsibility for that decision. So this is new information that appears to contradict what we were told after All In. So I don't really know what to make of that. And as far as Brian Danielson, yeah, I mean, people respect him. So I can understand why he would be put in the position of being effectively a locker room leader who was making or contributing to decisions like this. I absolutely get that. And I do believe that morally... You know, he's very sound. He's he's a rational person. He's somebody that you would want on your team. He's someone whose opinion you can absolutely respect. He's not going to make knee-jerk reactions and fly off the handle and do all these things that some people do. You know, we've we've all been guilty of that. I've certainly done things like that when I've been younger. In my younger years, Kenny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Danielson's a respected guy with a lot of experience in many different companies. Um, so I can understand why he would be in that position. Um, to contribute to that decision, as I've already said. But I don't really understand how this, 
you know, uh, this is not consistent with the information that we were given directly by Tony Khan, is it? Yeah. So it's yeah, it's, it's difficult to to know. I mean, I do think there is a conflict of interest when you have a talent on a panel to decide about another talent. It's, yes, it's just it's a, it's a strain. I mean, I think luckily in this situation, I don't think Danielson is someone who is the sort of person who would use a vendetta in that kind of scenario. No, but I don't you... either. I don't. I think, yeah, you know, I don't either. I don't think he's a spiteful person. I don't think he's got spiteful bone in his body. No, but at the same time, it does raise the questions of, you know, having having wrestlers as EVPs and then having wrestlers on panels to decide. But I mean, I guess that part of the issue is, you know, as you have, you know, you've written about Tony Khan in the new Inside the Ropes magazine, but one of the things is he, you know, he, he in some ways... He does take help, and in other ways, he doesn't. I mean, we yeah. saw this week that QT Marshall has has re, you know resigned from AEW because he wants to be a wrestler, and AEW were not. I mean, affording him that opportunity, so he wants to go somewhere else. <laughs> Why does he want to be a wrestler? Uh, but he did say that he thought that AEW were going in a, a creative direction that he wasn't that interested in, and that they were trying to be more like New Japan now. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's fair enough. I mean, no one can argue with that, with the tournament that's underway at the moment. Yep. So, yeah, lo- lots, of, lots of stuff going on. But uh, at least with Danielson, although there probably is a conflict of interest, at least they picked someone who is, like you say, not a spiteful bone in his body. So. Yeah, well, that's how I view him anyway. He does seem very rational, level-headed. Yes. That big picture consciousseness. Um, so, I mean, you know, but there are you know, people for years and actually – Someone wrote into Q and A in the latest issue of the magazine about this. You know, will there ever be a wrestlers' union? And I spent a long time on the answer, by the way. So check that one out in the magazine. And um, you know, and, and I think you know, I stand by that answer. I, there isn't a, a word in that answer that I would change, and I don't really have anything to add to it other than this: um, that if you say you had a union, chances are the head of that union would either be a current or former wrestler. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, someone like Brian Danielson, you could actually imagine him being in that position, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah, you could see that being his, his, in his future for sure. You know, if this were to happen, I don't believe it will, but if it were, you could imagine that Danielson would be somebody who would be the head of that. So, I mean, you know, he's kind of there working with management. So, you know, it's the man, you know, us versus them and that type of thing. So, you know, Danielson is there in management, but is he is he acting in the best interest of the company or is he acting in the best interest? Of locker room morale, and yeah. that's a that's a tricky, you know, conversation to have. You could debate that all day, and I, I don't really know. Um, but I mean, he feels like, you know, apparently he felt that that was the right decision, and um, and that Punk should no longer be part of AEW, and yet Jack Perry is. So that's the other thing, Kenny, that I don't get about this. Yeah, so, CM Punk. Right for doing what he did after he was provoked by Jack Perry on the pre-show at the Wembley event. And Perry's now suspended but still being paid. So that's the other thing, you know. Okay, yeah, Punk was... You say Punk was out of order, but there was going to be a response. He had to respond to what Perry did. As we talked about this at the time, he was a senior wrestler and Perry was the junior member of the roster. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> Punk couldn't had to respond to that. He just had to. So I think that there is also sort of complicates 
the matter of, yeah, Punk was out of order. He was out of line. But so was Perry for instigating that. And why is Perry still under contract and still being paid? So if you start drilling down into it, Kenny, yeah, it becomes problematic for Danielson. And uh, did he recommend that Perry be fired? Do we know? Well, he hasn't been. So, yeah, on one hand, I can understand why Danielson did what he did. But if you look further, you delve deeper into this, you know, many, you, it, it, you know, it provokes, you know, many questions as to, well, yeah, you did this, but why didn't you do that as well? Why is Perry still under contract? To me, he should have been fired before Punk. Yeah, and I tell he, you, Kenny, if I was on that advisory committee, he would have been fired. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be rough for for young Jack Perry when he gets back. <laughs> that would have, he wouldn't have, he would have been gone that night. Yeah, it was. Uh, although I do I do hope there is part of me that hopes that at one point, you know, in the Seth Rollins CM Punk promo that you know Punk's going off on him and Seth just says, "Oh, cry me a river," you know. <laughs> It'd be a great line to just pull uh, out of the bag. So reclaim it. That that line is going to, will have to be used. Yeah. I mean, we it. demand that that line be used. <laughs> we demand it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, that is um, that is all the time we've got for today. We'll be back next Tuesday with what's going down, and we'll maybe talk a little bit about AWTV because I know we've not really spoken about anything. Recently, so we'll kind of get your fuel fin for anything that you've kind of seen that you think has been working or not, and go through that as well as on SmackDown. So we'll do that on okay. Tuesday. Um, but yeah, the Power Slam yearbook 1994 is available. It is going fast, so you do want to get your copy as soon as you can at powerslammagazine.com. Um, and you know, it's. I mean, the thing is to to, to put this in perspective. I said this before. If you were to go on eBay and try and buy issues one to six of Power Slam, uh, you know, issue one tends to go for about 70 quid minimum. Issue two, which I bought not too long ago, was 30. Right. Um, and three to six are about 25. So, I mean, you're talking maybe 300 quid, 400 quid if you want to get those six issues potentially. And you can get them all in a book form. It can sit on your shelf and it's only 30 quid. So it's. A, a great price and you know i think with magazines it's always tough to display magazines yeah i'm going to collect stuff so now having the book form it can be on your bookshelf and absolutely it's great christmas present yes yes great christmas present if we do say so ourselves that's we're, it, no yeah, that's it. Whatsoever. we're not exactly objective observers here <laughs> no 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 we're not we're not we do have a vested interest in this but no we're already excited about uh starting work on the next one which we're going to be doing early next year and i'm already you know batting around ideas for some new content in that you know it's obviously a new introduction in the power Slam yearbook 1994 but we're all really motivated for 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 the for the second one and uh you know really you know really excited about you know next year and do more of these and you know just you know making it work you know putting out real quality stuff you know that's what we're all about here quality Hundred percent, and people, you know, people, people have already been talking about. They're looking forward to to the ninety five books, and you know, we, we should mention, you, you know, it's, it, as we go on, I think these are going to get better and better because by the time we get to ninety six and ninety seven and ninety eight, it's like there's so much stuff, and you know, you can kind of, and then, you know, this will sound like I'm being biased, but I, I bought all these magazines, so I think I can say this with kind of a bit of authority. But like, 
when you you know you you see all these documentaries on the attitude era and stuff that's going you know the 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 story that's kind of narrated now and in the power slam magazines you actually get the real stories of what was going on at the time during yeah. all these things and you know the mood at the time of when things are happening or and you know real analysis from finn about you know hogan turning heel or wrestling at 14 or you know it, it jumps you know the the, the montreal yeah. screwjob everything is there and it's done in detail with analysis i think if you've read it before, you're going to get a real sort of nostalgia kick. And if you've not read it before, um, I think you're going to be kind of blown away by it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the future volumes. Yeah. And, you know, just the old rise and fall of WCW was, you know, 95 when it, Nitro launched September of 95 and just observing everything just unfolding in 96 with Hall and Nash going over and then Hogan turning heel at Bash of the Beach 96 and, you know, this whole shift from WWF being number one to WCW being number one and just then WWE's recovery and rebuilding phase in 97 leading to this, you know, massive explosion in its popularity in 98. So, yeah, it's a very exciting time. And, you know, we were covering it every month. So, uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll be putting those out in time. And, you know, there'll be new stuff as well in, in the yearbooks. So uh, I'm looking forward to you know, sinking my teeth into that. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, people have people have asked for this for years, and it's finally happening. So yeah, we're very very excited about it. Very happy that it's been so well received, as as it as it would be, because you know, Power Slam was was a. Uh, it's, it's funny when we recorded the the stuff for the trailer. You know, there'd be points where you know we which which obviously didn't make the cut because it would just be us gushing to Finn about the magazine, and Finn's just sitting there going. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> it was good. It was good to do it. And we're like, no, yeah. but it was it was it had a cultural impact that it was like it was like a Bible to us. He's going, uh-huh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean that was the weird thing at the time. And you know, this is I'm I don't know whether I'd covered this in the past some years or not. Um, but it's when you're on that, you know, you're on that you're on that ride and it's going so fast. And you know, sometimes you you know, you just don't really understand what's going on because you know, the treadmill or whatever, the merry-go-round's going so fast that you've got tunnel vision for the next issue. And you're not really thinking about things like, well, how, how, are, how are people uh, reacting to this? You're really just looking at your next issue and just then moving on to your next issue because the whole cycle never ends. So, um, yeah, it's um, it, it's a weird time. It was a weird, it was a weird time of, of my life and very exciting as well. And very challenging, very trying at times. Uh, but uh, yeah, you will be able to read all about it in the uh, in the 1994 yearbook and future yearbooks as well. Yes, so we look forward to that. So yeah, PerslamMagazine.com, the, the books arrive with us, I think it'll either be tomorrow or Monday. So they will be going out next week. So, Brilliant. Um, you know, people will be receiving their books before they... People have already ordered, depending when you ordered, you know, it, books will start arriving by the end of next week so and you know like i said before the, we, we insist on them being tracked and signed books because you know we can't have these getting lost in the post we have to make sure really? they get to it and it also if you're like me and when something's on the way you kind of kind of like to track where it is if you can and just make sure you know because yeah you, know, you can know what day you need to be in so that yeah. you know you don't, you oh don't. absolutely yeah i mean i've just i've just um i'm just trading in one of my guitars for mm-hmm. another guitar and uh you know so that was like dpd had to collect that and that was a big process and just the box itself to send the guitar in cost over 20 quid 
um you know and it was like i can't remember how much it cost to send it but the guitar was quite a pricey guitar so yeah you you take no chances when things are valuable you know yeah. these yearbooks are valuable obviously yeah 100% so yeah we we, we hope that you uh, will check it out and purchase it and then you know in the new year we'll be working on the next one so yeah plenty of good stuff to come so want well, to thank you for all your support patreon i say this a lot but it's true Patreon is the way that these podcasts exist. So if you're able to support us over there, it would be much appreciated. Patreon.com forward slash Inside the Ropes. We do bonus podcasts. Uh, this month we looked at the original War Games match. Sandra and I do retro weekly Raw and Smackdown shows from 20 years ago. Finn comes on to the pay-per-views. We just did Survivor Series. Uh, we do you know current stuff as well. We do the Overrun, obviously. We look back at old issues of Power Slam. So... You know, there's 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 stuff pretty much every day that goes out. So we hope that you'll give us a shot. Patreon.com forward slash inside ropes. Um Finn, I hope you have a great weekend, whatever you're getting up to. Mostly working, Kenny. Great. Well, all work, <laughs> no play makes Jack a dull boy. But <laughs> <laughs> mostly working. Yeah, I've never finished my uh, Connor interview. As Excellent. I'm looking at it now, it's on five thousand nine hundred and sixty-eight words. But I'm Jeez. on my last question. There you go. You're on your last question. All, all will be well. Um, yeah, very. You know, the, the Cornette interviews are always always a highlight when F. Martin and JC get together. Not the, not not John Cena. Jesus Christ, Jim Cornette. <laughs> that, probably, that probably would be a highlight as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we want to thank you for all your support, everybody, as always, and we'll talk to you soon. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.